Hello, friends. This is just to let you know that today's guest was not able to be in the studio with me. So, at times, their audio may not be of the same high quality that you have been used to, but I felt that their knowledge and their insights and experience was of such high value that it was better for us to do it this way than for you not to hear from them at all. Hello friends and thank you for joining me for the Way Forward podcast brought to you by me, Fliss Goldsmith and Co-Design Coaching, where we create your optimal life together. This week, I am buzzing to be joined by the embodiment of Empowerment Herself, award-winning business coach, money mindset mentor, and all-round female badass, Kirsty Kane. Kirsty, thanks for joining us from Scotland today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. You are so welcome to be here. So let me tell you a little bit about Kirsty. Um, the focus of Kirsty's work is to help women embody their higher self energy, which Kirsty refers to as their big dick energy. I quite like that, actually. Um, <laughs> she helps them to heal their relationship with money, to make more of it, and to go out there and create the life of their wildest desires. One of the main belief system wounds Kirsty has come across in her work is the masculine abandonment wound. And it's something that's actually um, a huge part of Kirsty's life story. She's got a wealth of experience of masculine abandonment from the death of her dad when she was just 10 years old. And years later, her brother walked out of her life. And then she went through a bitter divorce all before the age of 30. But she finally found a way of letting grief in while rebuilding her life from nothing for herself and her two daughters. With the deep work that Kirsty's done around the alpha energy and masculine abandonment wounds, she's discovered that the fear of abandonment has a direct impact on the money mindset. And this is something she's currently writing a book on. So does that about sum it up, do you think? <laughs> I honestly, like... That blows me away. See, even when I hear that about myself, I'm like, this person sounds incredible. And I'm like, oh, wait, it's yeah, me. That's, I love it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> that is you. That is you. And every single word of it is is true. And there's there's probably tons more beside, but um, that that is the introduction anyway. So I have to say that the subject of abandonment and especially male abandonment I know it's something you're particularly passionate about and it's actually something that most people that are listening can probably relate to in some way. Um, I know I certainly can. But could you, in a couple of sentences, summarise what a male abandonment wound is for our listeners before we then dig into your own personal journey with it? Of course. So what I will refer to as the masculine abandonment wound, for me in particular is surrounding a male, many males in my life. However, I've come to realise over time that it's not necessarily a 
It doesn't have to be a biological male, okay? It's just that masculine energy. So it can come from females. I've got a lot of females in my life that also embody that masculine energy. Um, so it's important to kind of put that out there to begin with because a lot of people will not have that masculine male in their life. That energy may be embodied by a female, which I think is, is really important. Um, and this wound comes from having that masculine energy in your life and then knowing how powerful that is, knowing how much you almost feel in alignment with, like you can lean on that energy. That's your safety. That's your protective energy. That's your shield from everything. Sure, sure. But when that is taken away from you, there's a gap. There's, mm. there's, it, and it's not just like this tiny little crack. Like that's a lot. That's your, your way of protecting yourself from everything in life. And that's gone. And it leaves you feeling very exposed and very vulnerable. And I know it's something that so many people, men and women, experience throughout their lives. And a lot of the time, they don't do the work deep enough to actually heal this wound. But it is possible. Yeah. And just listening to how you're describing it there and the fact that it doesn't actually just have to come from a biological male figure, I can really feel that. That really resonates with me. Um, and actually, I had never thought of it in terms of that. I'd really only related it to male figures in my life. So I think that's going to be, you know, a lot of light bulbs going on for our listeners there. Um and there'll be so many people who have had this masculine energy, these male figures or non-male figures who've left their life um, or they've died or they've mistreated them at some stage. Um, and there's a lot wrapped up in that. But I would love it if you would tell us a little bit more about your journey and how this has played such a major part in your life. Yeah, so I was the typical daddy's girl when I was little. My dad was my best friend. Um, and when I was eight years old, my parents separated. And I'm not sure why, but my brother went to live with my dad. I went to live with my mum. I've never asked any questions, but I mean, my brother, there was nothing that in my eyes would symbolise the reason that we had to kind of part ways, whatever still saw him all the time like it was never an issue but a couple of years that was just under a couple of years after that they I was living at the time with my mum and my mum's partner we had moved in with him and we got a knock on the door from the police now this was in the middle of the night one night um saying middle of the night it was pre-midnight there's a knock on the door now I was only 10 years old and I was lying in my bed and that night I couldn't sleep okay I am a very intuitive person, but I also used to struggle massively with insomnia as a child. So I just put it down to one of those nights, you know, tossing and turning, can't sleep. But my mind is always in overdrive. And with being so intuitive, I know if something with my people is off, I generally feel it. And that night I knew something wasn't right. So got a knock on the door. Now, my bedroom door was a, it had a glass panel on it. So with this frosted glass panel on the door, I could see two adult figures walk past. I mean, a smaller figure that I made out, obviously, as a child, walk past my bedroom door. 
And they went into the living room and closed the door. Now, at this point, I couldn't hear the conversation. I could hear there was a conversation, just like that, you know, that kind of mumbling of people's voices and things. But I couldn't make out anything that was being said. So after um, what felt like ages, I couldn't honestly put a time frame on it, my mum's partner came through and sat on the edge of my bed and he said, Christy, are you awake? And I said, yeah. And he's like, um, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, OK. So I sat up and he said to me, I'm very sorry, but your dad has been in a motorbike accident. And my uh, my first thought was straight away was, OK. And I said to him, is he OK? Like, OK, cool. He's been in an accident. Fine. Is he OK? And he said, no, I'm very sorry to tell you, your dad's gone to heaven. And that for me, like that conversation, I can remember every single, I can remember the expression on my mum's partner's face and just just everything. Um, it was one of these core memories that I've later discovered is a very traumatic memory. But that in the moment for me was like shock took over. You're 10 years old. You don't really understand what's going on. You just understand that your dad was here. Now he's gone. You know, it was so quick, like the, the flick of a switch. It wasn't a case of, um, like I'd seen him a few hours before. It'd been a couple of days since I'd seen him. His last words to me were, see you later, kid. And I was just like, yeah, see you later. Because we never said goodbye. That was just our thing. We never said goodbye. Um, and that for me was the start of this wound. The start of something that I never really discovered until I was in my late 20s. So fast forward all of that, I can hand on heart say for the first couple of days after losing my dad, I was fine, completely fine. I didn't cry. I didn't clearly didn't process anything at that point in time. I didn't know how. No, it's, it's like being in the eye of a storm, isn't it? You're sort of protected from what's going on in the, the chaos. You're in the middle and it's totally calm. 100%. And all I knew is that because I went through to the living room after this, sat down with my mum and my mum's partner and my brother and the two policemen. And all I remember is hearing parts of this story about what had happened. And the young policeman that was telling the story, he, I later found out he's called a family liaison officer, didn't know that at the time, but he actually got up and walked out the room. And I thought, that's weird. I wasn't like tuned into what was going on but I just thought well you're here to do a job and you've just walked out okay that was what my focus was on at the time and it wasn't until um a couple of years later I was actually talking to my mum about this and this was the first family this young family liaison officer had delivered this news to oh my god and he didn't realize so the child that was in the room was obviously my brother who's older than me he didn't realize that there was a younger child involved as well oh. so that was obviously hard for him. Mm. Um, but I remember the policeman saying to my mum that night, do not let the kids watch the news. Do not let the kids read the newspaper. And that's all I was really focusing on because I thought, well, it's obviously a big deal. Why does it, it feel like a big deal to me right now? So fast forward a couple of days. My mum, obviously my brother had moved in with us. Straight away, he had nowhere else to go. He had moved back in with us. That was my focus at the time. I'm now sharing a room with my 13-year-old brother. Like, that sucks. <laughs> like, it's not my room anymore. It's now our room. Yeah. Um, 
at this point, my brother hadn't met my mum's partner. So there was a whole new dynamic to our family. And we were kind of focusing on that more than the death of my dad, which for me started to feel like, okay, why is he not being talked about? Why is he kind of being pushed back a little bit here? And why are we only focusing on what's happened right here, right now? Like our house, our family, sharing my room, splitting my room with my brother. Why is that focus? Um, and then a couple of days later, I was actually in town with my brother. My mum was having a coffee with her sister. My brother and I went into a gaming shop and we were just randomly looking about. And we actually heard two grown-up males having this conversation and I'm, I'm a huge believer in the universe will put you in situations at the right time yeah. because there's something that you need to learn from that situation. Now, the conversation that these two adult men were having was an eyewitness for the accident. One of them was in this beer garden that night. Oh. And my brother and I stood there a foot and a half away from these two men and we heard like a second by second account of every single thing that happened in the street that day. We heard a very detailed account of everything. That must have been incredibly difficult. It was horrific. And we left. We didn't say anything to each other. We just kind of looked at each other and we left. Went back. We never told my mum. I don't even know to this day if my mum knows about that. She maybe does, but... I don't think either of us ever told her. So with this wound, I, I I pushed it away. I pushed away as much as I could. So this is going to get me really emotional. Um, no, it's it's honestly, just as you're talking, my eyes are prickling because I can feel that huge chasm of uh, of, you know, one minute he's here and then he's gone. And then you're plunged into a world you weren't prepared for, you weren't expecting. And you've got all this emotional stuff happening. And yet you're being put in a position where you've got to get on with your life in a new dynamic. And and you're 10 years old. And yet you'd got all this intuition as to all the feelings. So in a way, you're absorbing all of that and, and, and not being able to do anything with it. Yeah, 100%. And I just feel like I was so protected by my mum. Like, let's, I love my mum, but it was very much, let's just, like, he, he wasn't here. He never existed. We don't need to talk about him. We don't need to have photos in our rooms. I did have a photo. Um, She had said to me, it's fine to have it in your room, but we don't want it anywhere else in the house. It was very much like, okay, he's gone he doesn't need to actively be a part of your life. Now, I understand that was my mum's way of dealing with trauma. Um, the way that she deals with trauma and the way that I deal with trauma is very different. My brother, who the night of the accident, because he was living with my dad, he had actually got taken to the hospital with my dad, my dad not being alive at this point until they had actually found out who my dad was, who my brother was, and who his next of kin was, and then he was then brought to us. So my brother has never disclosed what he saw. The fact he would have been woken up by the police and taken to a hospital with my dad. He's never, ever spoken about that, and he never will, certainly not to me. 
because we had a very close relationship. Something like that brings siblings together usually. Okay. Growing up as a teenager, we were very, very close, like best of friends. When we got to, I was maybe 15, 16, him being 17, 18 at this time, um, sorry, 18, 19, he began to distance himself from me just a little bit. He did not like the fact that I was vocal about losing my dad because that for me was um, my way of healing. My brother was very much on the same page as my mum. We don't talk about him. We're having no photos. We're not doing anything. And I very much felt like I couldn't grieve as a child, as a teenager, because it just wasn't welcome. It wasn't welcome. Nobody wanted to hear it. So I pushed grief away so damn hard. I got married. I had my two girls. Like, life was fine. But it was those big moments Um that I started to notice, you know what, there's things here that just don't really feel 100%. There's things that not just feel like somebody's missing, but it feels like part of me is missing. Okay. And that's what I found with grief was the hardest thing. So it wasn't like on my wedding day, I felt, oh, wait a minute, my dad's not here. I thought, you know what, I'm getting married and I don't feel whole. That's when I realized that the the energy the spirit that alpha energy it was part of me that was missing and i think a lot of people are going to be able to connect to that because i can totally hear what you're saying that sometimes you just have a feeling that something is off or isn't right or isn't connected and it isn't you can't always say oh it's this like it's because this person isn't here or it's because this person has said something it's something deeper than that and you just it's a feeling and you can't you know always get that into words which is sometimes really hard yeah definitely um and it was in those moments where I realized you know it's not it's not the big the big things don't matter the fact that my dad wasn't at my wedding really doesn't matter to me okay and that's Maybe controversial, but we know that I'm, I'm controversial all the time. Right? <laughs> You're not going to get a, like no. a, a very straightforward beige view of abandonment and grief when I'm talking because it's just. Am I allowed to swear on here, or would you rather I didn't? Yeah, so totally. Whatever you feel is authentic. Go for it. I, I was going to say to say that grief is linear and that it's time heals everything. My personal opinion is that's fucked up. It's not a nice thing to have the pressure on you on this is how you grieve, yeah. this is how you heal. Ten years are going to pass. You're going to be golden. You're going to yeah. be so good. I was not okay. No. I was not okay. And I never realized this until it got to not long after my 30th birthday. And I realized, you know what, I admire my dad so much. I saw what he was like as a human. I actually got given the book from his funeral. So I wasn't actually um, able to go to his funeral. My uncle took my brother, but he didn't ask to take me. That's the story I have heard. Whether he asked, my mum said, no, I don't know. But I just know, 10 years old, I wasn't at the funeral. But years and years later, so literally maybe only seven years ago, I got handed the book from my dad's funeral. First time I had ever seen it. And this was filled with the most beautiful messages from people. Now, keep in mind, my dad was only 39 when Mm. he died. 
planning his 40th birthday for a few months later, a party that he was never going to get to go to. Um, the messages inside this book are, they're life-changing in so, in so many ways. Mm. Um, ironic that that's my choice of words, but the messages in here let me know how admirable my dad was, the impact that he made in so many people's lives at such a young age, and all of these people, I didn't know hardly any of them. And they were writing the most beautiful stories about him and his character and just how he was and just everything about him as a human. And I admired that so much. And I actually looked up at my husband at the time and I thought, you're not even close. Yeah. <laughs> you're not even close to being what I admire with a masculine energy. Um, and I then uncovered a whole bunch of things within my marriage that I thought, you know what, this is not it for me. Um, and I said, you know what, I am done. I'm so done. I'm so over this. And I thought, it's all up from here. <laughs> but it wasn't because after that, it was a very, very difficult divorce. He did leave eventually, mm. but a very, very difficult divorce in the sense that I looked at my girls and they were the same age as when my oldest daughter was the same age that I was when my parents split up. Mm. And I thought, when my parents went through a divorce, my oldest daughter is the same age that I was. This is just a repeat of events. Yeah. I um, started to kind of spiral almost and I realised that basement has a rock bottom. Mm. <laughs> it's not a rock bottom has a basement it's not just about getting to that rock bottom and thinking this is it like there's actually a level below that that yeah. people just don't talk about that's where I find myself and that's when I realized that I was in the depth of this abandonment wound and I did not want at that moment in time any masculine male near me because I was starting to tell myself they're all going to leave there's no point they're all going to leave my dad didn't stay my um my brother was kind of here and there at this point my ex-husband I didn't want him to stay I just thought you know what it's it doesn't feel safe for me to have this masculine energy super close to me yeah so it's like you're almost in a survival mode at that stage then I'm imagining so you're just keeping all this masculine presence or energy at arm's length in order to just literally survive a hundred percent a hundred percent and I realized in that moment you know what it's I, I don't find safety in this masculine energy anymore because they make me feel vulnerable because they always leave. Um, and for transparency, my ex-husband had given me many reasons within our marriage. Um, there was an affair, there was a bunch of stuff going on where I knew he wasn't choosing me. Yeah. And therefore he was abandoning me too. So whether it was my decision or whether it was his decision, ultimately it was mine, but that was me being given no choice of this person's not choosing you, so they're essentially still abandoning you, so they have to go. Um, and straight after that, when I was moving after a month from my old marital home into my new home, my big brother actually turned up out of the blue and knocked on my door and he said, I've heard what happened. I'm here to help you move into your new house. And he said, but I want zero conversations about that. Oh. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, great, thank um, you. We had, at this point, a very awkward disconnect. It wasn't like mm. giving him a big hug. And like, Here's my big brother. It was, oh, okay, do you want to lift that box for me? Like, it was just yeah. odd. It wasn't kind of what I needed at that time. Um, and he did move me into this house. 
took a couple of days. But then he said to me, he's like, okay, I'm away to Tesco, away to the supermarket. And he never came back. And wow. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, that was six years ago now, almost six years ago. I have passed him twice in the street and he will not stop and even say hi, even when I've got my two daughters with me. Um, I've got no explanation to that whatsoever. Yeah. That for me is again, okay, I'm here to help you because I feel like I should. But by the way, I'm also not going to hang about. I'm going to abandon you as well. And that, like, I, I can't, I don't know where to start with wrapping my head around that because it's just weird to me that a big brother would do that to a little sister. For me, we're so close. Um, but ultimately, that is what happens. Um, and at this point, I realised, you know what, this wound, this is actually, this is my wound. This is part of me. It's not a case of, um, of essentially healing this and patching it over and just pretending like it never happened. Like, this, this is me now. This is fully ingrained in me. It's part of me. This is something that I am going to deal with day to day. Um, but I soon learned that you don't actually have to live in your wound. That is really, like, impactful. And I think what I'm sort of picking up is that out of this hugely emotive journey, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of different situations that actually all connected by this, you know, masculine abandonment wound, which obviously, as you say, when you got to that um, rock bottom and then went into the basement level, which is raw and ugly and nasty and nobody talks about it because we don't like to, you know, admit to that, but it is and it's, it's awful. I'm just thinking of, you know, the woman who is on her own and with two girls to look after and all of these things also circulating. Was there like a standout pivotal moment where you thought, right, I have to own this now. I have to do something about this. Yeah, so my pivotal moment was you don't need to get that alpha energy, that masculine energy from anybody else. You actually have it within you already. So I went into fierce lioness protector mode for my girls and I actually stepped into that masculine energy myself so I was very regimented with my business with my finances with my workouts with every aspect of my life it was structured it was emotionless on the surface and I realized you know what it's I, I am that person. I am that person. I have that alpha energy. I don't need to get that from somebody else. I have this within me already and I can never, ever, ever abandon myself. Oh my gosh, I love that. I can never abandon myself. And do, sorry, I'm just like really passionate about this, but do you think then for whoever's listening to this that everybody has that masculine energy within themselves to access? Yeah. 100% like we all have that yin and yang energy that masculine and feminine energy and regardless if it's a masculine abandonment wound if it's a feminine abandonment wound whatever it is even if you're just generally feeling abandoned we need to realize and this will help so many people we need to realize that we can never ever ever abandon ourselves ever so rather than put in the the honor not the right word, but putting that on other people to be like, you're the one that caused this abandonment, whether it was my dad, whether it was my ex-husband, whether it was my brother, whether it was whoever. Why would I give them that honour? 
trying to give them that privilege, that title, and actually, I was never abandoned at all. I felt abandoned, but I wasn't abandoned because I could never, ever, ever abandon myself. Literally, what you've done there is you've you've taken the power back. You've empowered yourself um, because, as you say, yes, you felt abandoned, but you were always there for yourself. You always showed up for yourself. Obviously, what the way forward is all about, finding our way through and then out of these really difficult situations. And for um, everybody listening, um, Kirsty is literally the embodiment of that because she has not only been through all this and come through all this, but she 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 thrives now. I mean, honestly, you know, you you can if you need any energy, just you know, just tap into Kirsty because she could probably run the mains grid off it. Um, but thinking about the emotional well-being, what is your biggest takeaway on healing? You know, you've clearly done the work. What have you learned about healing? I, first of all, have learned that delayed grief is an actual thing. I only really started to grieve the loss of my dad when I was also going through the loss of my marriage, the, the grief of the life that I thought I was going to live. That awareness of delayed grief is a thing. You have time and space now to actually go through the motions. That hit hard. That hit really hard. It wasn't pretty. Um, But I took the time and I took the space to actually do the work. But my main learning moment was you were given this situation because there's something within my mind, within my intuition, within my wisdom and my knowledge that can take this horrific experience and use this as a learning moment for so many other people. Like, I just have to be in that gaming shop and hear that conversation from those two grown-up men. That was a very, like, if I was two minutes later into that shop, I would never have heard that, okay? There was so many universal synchronicities over the years that has been little nuggets of information for me to be like, you know what? this is a really shit situation and it really sucks that I had to go through that. However, I have learned so much about abandonment, about masculine and feminine energy, about what we need as humans, about human connection. I've learned so much about that, that I understand the way, well, the way that I like to look at it is that my dad, I like to think, sacrificed his life to give me this lesson because he knows I, he believed in me enough for me to have the wisdom to deliver this to the masses to impact people in different ways. And that, for me, lets me understand that my dad was in on this too, and he was okay with that. Yeah, and I think that's a really um, courageous way to think about it and um, a really, you know beautiful way of thinking about it because grief is grief is shit um there is there is no two ways about it but um I always try to think about it as in the um you know um, when people plant roses they stick horse manure on it they stick horse shit on it to make it grow um and and in grief there is growth um you can't deny it shit but what comes out of it can be just as beautiful as how you were saying you think of that situation so you know that that's kind of what strikes me is that you have grown so much even though 
your path to growth has been through all these abandonments and, and facing that. Yeah, 100%. And I need to remember as well that I'm raising two girls, two young girls, and I don't want them to have, so to paint the picture, their dad will see them a couple of times a month if they're lucky. He's very not actively in their life. I don't want them to feel abandoned. So I know I need to step up to the mark. And see, this is where it gets so emotional for me because Mm. I will take every single clusterfuck that I have to take for my children to not have to heal from their childhood. I'll do the work. I will do anything because I know that this this message, this life experience that I have had is teaching me stuff that I can pass on to them that I wasn't taught when I was their age. So they have a very, very secure and safe relationship. Regardless of what comes into our life, before anything goes near my children, I'll do the work first. And I never, ever, ever want my children to feel abandoned. And it it just so happened when, when I had done a lot of the work and I was like, right, I feel good. I feel so happy and secure in my life with my girls going forward. I don't particularly want a man in my life, but I don't also not want a man in my life. I can just, whatever, whatever happens, happens. And it wasn't something I was forcing, wasn't something I was looking for, but I found incredible happiness and that feeling of being content with it just being me and my girls. You know what? If that was all it was ever going to be, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Until this very masculine man walked into our lives um, who's now been in our life for almost four years mm. and also brought with him his son um, who he has full time and his daughter from a different relationship that we have every other weekend um, we now have a very alpha male energy in our life the closest thing to caveman energy like <laughs> It's wild to me, but he has brought, and whether he knows this or not, um, he has brought so much healing to me and my girls because he is a full embodiment of safety, protection, security that you would typically get from that masculine energy. He has brought all of that completely effortlessly to the point where he doesn't even know what he's brought to us. Um and that is extremely healing on its own. Yeah. And I think, you know, your your protection of your girls has obviously come out of the experiences you have had. Um, but they have such a strong role model to look up to. And they they are they are some, you know, kick-ass young ladies and they you know they have got a great life and their future is super super bright so you don't need to to worry probably as much as you do I can tell you that um so before you go Kirsty could you give the listeners maybe a little bit of advice that if they're 
thinking, yeah, I, I hear what she's saying. Oh, gosh, yes, that's happened to me. Or they're recognizing this masculine abandonment in whatever way it showed up in their life. Do you have a little piece of advice that you could give them that they could use today, that they could start to address their issues and move towards a more contented and, and fulfilled life? So there's two things that I want to share here. The first one is that just because you have this wound, just because due to whatever unfortunate circumstances that is now part of you, it doesn't mean that you need to live in your wound every single day. You can understand, yes, it's part of me, but I can still go out and create a fucking good life for myself and for the people around me. It doesn't have to stop me. Okay. Yes, there's going to be moments, like I had a moment the other day where I had a, a parking ticket sticker thing in the car and I literally just automatically peeled the sticker off the backing paper and I started to use the sticky bit to pick up crumbs off the seat. And I was like, last time I'd done this, I think I was seven years old and my dad used to save them up for me and he used to wash the car and I would sit inside and he'd be like, pick up all your crumbs or these stickers. That's when grief hits. Yeah. It's not the days it's not the wedding days like nah. whatever it's the little moments those tiny tiny little moments um grief is always going to be a part of your life yeah it's not going to go away it's not something that you have to heal from it's not something that is going to get smaller over time you grow around your grief mm-hmm. it's always going to be part of you the quicker you accept that the better stop putting pressure on yourself to heal stop putting pressure on yourself to be like It's been five years. I should be fine. It was 25 years for me this year that I lost my dad. And it was as difficult as way back year one, year two. Yeah, we don't we don't get over grief. We learn to move along with it. You know, we have to take it with us. It's just part of us. It's like we get up in the morning and we we put our backpack on. It's just it's it's just in the backpack. Right. It's always going to be in the backpack. You don't need to take the backpack everywhere. But it's always going to be in there. So if people can move to that level of acceptance, that would be a good starting point. A hundred percent. And the other thing, I'll keep this one brief, but um, the other thing that I want to share with everybody, and this is something I'm so insanely passionate about, and that is live a fucking full life. Go on the adventures you want to go on. Say no to things that don't light you up. Say yes to things that you think, you know what, that's going to be terrifying do all of these things before we die like if you want to put something on your bucket list if you want it that bad make a plan today yeah so if you want to go to the south of france for example rather than say in five years time maybe i'll think about a trip to the south of france go and book something today oh honestly kirsty i can't thank you enough for joining us and if you want to keep up with um, Kirsty and her work, and let's face it, why would you not? Um, you can follow her. You can follow her on Instagram. Um, her business and coaching work is at Kirsty Kane Coaching, and it's fantastic. And her mindset and healing work is at I am Kirsty Kane. And you can find out all about her book there as well. Um, and she has a website which is kirstykane.com. 
com. Um, and I could have talked to you all day, but obviously I know you are an incredibly busy person, um, but you have given us such, such value. Um, and of course, if you want to work in a fully supported way on your emotional well-being, do head to codesignwithfliss.com and I can talk to you more about the empowerment you deserve. So Kirsty, thank you so much. Um, that is it for this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, now we know more about our abandonment wounds and now we certainly know the way forward. Thank you. I love it. Thank you so much.